Okay, let's all try not to sound stupid. Too late. Unlikely. (laughs) This is the AT Banter Podcast. A balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Flurry, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, 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 banter. Cowbell solo. Weak, weak. That was no Keith Moon cowbell solo. I found a second drumstick. I'll have to bring it downstairs. You can actually wail away on it. Right. (laughs) Double cowbell. Hey, aren't you? You're uh, redoing the uh, intro music, aren't you? Uh, Yeah. Me me and my collaborator. Yeah. I did take a listen to that, but what I think it needs. Mm More cowbell, more cowbell. Yeah, well, we're not no, done yet. That's no cowbell, but so you're gonna have to incorporate some cowbell. Oh, we can do that. that. Yeah, yeah, no, we can do that. It's still a really rough mix, so I'm waiting for the second. That's, yeah, it sounded good. It sounded good so far, but yeah, more cowbell needed. Shout out to Mike Churchello. Mikey. Yep. Mike. I don't know who that is. My music collaborator. No, I know. I know. <laughs> super, super talented musician out of Montreal. Yes, really? Yeah. yeah. No. Oh, wow. All right. And music teacher. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. And expert in Dancing Dots products. Yes. And now working for Apple as well, so he's an Apple genius. Holy schmoly. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we have him on the podcast? <laughs> Wanna? We can. <laughs> well, maybe we... Wait, didn't we have... No. That's no, not... we haven't had Mike. Okay. Mm. Oh, anyways. Hey, uh, my name is Rob Minot. Is it? Yeah. You sure? Uh, yeah. And I'm joined by Ryan Fleury. That's me. And Steve Berkland. That would not be Ryan. Nope. And Mike's not here. No, he's not. So, although he's gotten a lot of coverage so far. <laughs> <on the show. laughs> uh, hey, so big show today. Yes, it is. Why don't you tell the people uh, what, what the heck we're doing today? Well, today we are talking with Accessibility Advocate and Chair of the Ontarians with Disabilities Act Alliance, Mr. David Lepofsky, about the Accessible Canada Act. Yeah, we've been we've been uh, excited to do this episode for a while now because we've been talking about the Accessible Canada Act um, for you know months and months now. Um, but we're finally excited to have somebody on who is very well versed in it, and uh, he's going to list out some of the the issues that uh, that the act currently has, uh, in hopes that uh, maybe we can get some of those those things changed in time before it becomes uh before it becomes law yeah so listen closely people because this episode may have homework (laughs) (laughs) people are pressing stop that's right (laughs) rewind did he say homework (laughs) (laughs) hey we had april fools we did indeed there was some there were some good april fools pranks that were done out there did you uh, guys look at the list of April Fool's jokes no, that I sent you? No, I did. That you sent me? Yeah. You sent me? Uh, yeah, yesterday. It's in, uh, Rob, Rob doesn't know how to read email. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the um, uh, WestJet announced the... The uh, Fire Festival? Flyer Festival. Flyer Festival, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that Complete one. Complete with a big glitzy commercial with supermodels and stuff. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah. I did. Oh, I, I got your the elevate me hoverable yeah. hoverboard. That's right. That yeah, yeah. One of our one of our um, one of the uh, distributors of uh, touch screens. Uh, what what did they call it? The hover touch the hover, hoverboard. Uh, elevate me. Elevate, elevate me right. hoverboard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a new presentation board that floats. <laughs> right. <laughs> Lyft got sued. I see for um, for lack of wheelchair accessibility in some of their. I guess I guess for the fact that they don't have a accessibility policy, they have, they're facing a class action lawsuit. I find it interesting how these companies like Uber and Lyft can stay in business when the reports keep saying they're losing like twenty billion dollars a year. Is that what the reports? Well, so did Amazon for years. Yeah, right? that's true. You know, Amazon wasn't profitable for a long time, and yeah. now it's massive and 
That's true. quite profitable. Yeah. Well, we do have some big news. What? We are coming up on our third year anniversary doing the podcast. What? Mm-hmm. Three years. Yep. Holy yep. smokes. 150th episode. Boy. We'll be in four weeks. That's right. Rob wants to celebrate it. So we're pending. We're, we're me and Ryan are knocking some knocking heads, uh, seeing what something special we can do this year. Well, what is a 150th anniversary? That, uh, it's got to be like copper, <laughs> nickel, <laughs> aluminum. <laughs> Google it. Uranium. I'm doing it right now. I don't think there's any such thing as 150th. No. Although you never know. Gold three times over. Okay, I got it. I got it. A 150th anniversary or its celebration derived forms. Sesquicentennially. Whoa. So the, it will be our sesquicentennial episode. Okay, you t- send that to me. That's how we're marketing that. Sesquicentennial. It's a done deal. I look forward to the sesquicentennial. Sesquicentennial. Sam Squatch. Sam Squatch. Our sesquicentennial episode. Yeah. Sesquicentennial. It's going to be a good one. Come so on, we all got to practice that. Sesquicentennial. Sesquicentennial. I, I would say probably probably by next week's episode we'll we'll actually have an announcement and uh, about it. But uh, yes, we shall. So keep. And there will be much cowbell. And tarantula. Oh, really? Are you getting? Are you getting get some more? Do you have some? I've got a full and open bottle upstairs waiting. Damn! All right, I'll All grab right. it that day. Yeah, Mister Tequila Sipper. Yeah, it's slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> it's in three o'clock when you guys are it's face true. down in the floor. I'm still like, woo! Yeah, you got to remember, I outweigh you by about a hundred pounds. Too, so. <laughs> I'm just feeling happy about that. Point. <laughs> You're going, can I have water? <laughs> yeah, no water allowed. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> all right, well. Uh, no, okay, well, let's talk a little bit about the, the the Accessible Act. You know, this is interesting. You know, I just wonder, why not just go for something like the ADA? Like, why didn't we just look at what, you know, the U.S. has done with the ADA and try to emulate something like that instead of, because, you know, honestly, like this is really limited to federally regula- regulated entities. Um, so we're really only talking about things like banks and, and TV stations and transportation, um, you know, and of course, government, government agencies and stuff. Um, it's not even, you know, it's not even like sweeping implementations of, of you know, all entities like the ADA does. You know, I wonder if they just they felt that that was far too far reaching, or apparently, but you know, it's it, it's what's needed, and it's not not that you know. I'm sure that anyone down there would would tell you that it's not without its problems, um, but at least it's there. It's it's you know they've been able to to tweak it and and um, improve upon it since the '80s. Just get something like that in place here. You know, I don't know if they thought that maybe this would be a, a bit of a testing ground, and then that down the road they'll they'll supplement that and ex- and and increase the scope. Um, but I don't know. Even even just the act itself seems it seems a, a little. It's not going to change the way people are filing complaints now. You know, people are going to human rights and, and filing complaints to get things changed, and so. If this new act has no enforceability, that's not going to change. Nobody's going to go to CRTC and complain. They're going to still go file human rights complaints and try to make change that way. However, if they go and they file the human rights complaint, the human rights tribunal will probably then say, no, there's a mechanism in place for this. You need to go and talk to the CRTC. Right. (laughs) So there we are in circles again because that's what the act is telling us to do anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and if we, there's anything we know about government is that they love bureaucracy, and bureaucracy slows things down, and people just get stuck in these in these paper paperwork loops. Um, and and this, you know, the act doesn't really seem to be on deck to change any of that. Well, maybe we're completely wrong about that. Why don't we bring David on and have him tell us because he's been involved in this from the ground floor up. Yeah, that's true. Good morning, David. How are you? 
I am good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. So we're gonna we're gonna bombard you with a lot of questions. I like that. Not necessarily. The, the one thing I'm going to plug is an email address, which I'll give up top and I'll give several times, which is the email I want people to write. It's SOCI, which is the Social Affairs Committee at the Senate. It's SOCI at SEN, S-E-N, dot parl, P-A-R-L, dot G-C, dot C-A. It's long. I'll give it a few times. All, All right. All right, Rob, you ready? Steve, you ready? I think absolutely. All right. Let's start with uh, talking a little bit about where, what the problems that you see with the uh, the Accessible Canada Act are, and what you know what you guys are proposing um, be added into the act. Let Let me tell you what uh, what I and my coalition see as some of the serious problems with the Accessible Canada Act. You know, to begin with, we give the government, the federal government, a lot of credit for having agreed to do this legislation at all and a promise to do national accessibility legislation and having brought a bill forward because that alone opens the door to this conversation, brings people with disabilities together, focuses public attention. And that's all a really good thing. Um, and we also credit the federal government with saying that the goal of the legislation is to ensure a barrier-free Canada. And that's important. The goal has got to be not just to improve accessibility, because that's pretty tepid, but to ensure that Canada becomes barrier-free for over 5 million people with any kind of disability, whether it's a physical disability, a mental disability, a sensory disability, a learning disability, communication disability, mental health disability, whatever. So far, all good. Here's the problem. The contents of the bill may be long. It's over 105 pages, I think, or it's about 105 pages, but they're really weak. And uh, it's so weak that while it says it aims to ensure a barrier-free Canada, it does not require a single barrier to ever be removed anywhere in Canada. So... Could it help? Yeah. But does it require action that will ensure that it helps? No. So here are the five top problems. There are lots of problems. In fact, uh, 95 disability organizations within across Canada united last fall to send a letter to the House of Commons indicating uh, nine major amendments needed. And we support that entire, we signed that, co-signed that letter, and we support the nine. So in, in giving you these, it's not um, diminishing the importance of all of them. It's just focusing on what I would say are, are key ones to, to lead with. Right. Problem number one, it is good that the bill gives the federal government a bunch of powers which uh, to, to move forward on accessibility. The problem is it does not require the government to use those powers with one tiny and I would say marginal exception. So in other words, it, it gives them these great powers, they may never use them. And it's the difference between charity and rights. Charity is, well, we may give it to you, we may not. Depends if we feel up to it. Hmm. rights is talking about people with disabilities are entitled to things that will ensure a barrier-free society. For example, let me give you a crisp example. A core requirement of this bill and a really important or core provision in this bill and a really important part of it is that the federal government can create a new set of regulations that are enforceable as laws and they're called accessibility standards. And they can set specific rules about what airlines or banks or telecommunication companies um, or other federally regulated organizations have to do to make their websites accessible, to make their services accessible, to make their workplaces accessible. Well, that's good. We need detailed rules so obligated organizations know what they got to do and mm -hmm. so that we can demand that they do it. The problem is, under this bill, the federal government doesn't ever have to enact any accessibility standard regulations. So they got the power. They don't have the obligation. They don't have the duty. 
It says the government may, not the government shall. Hmm. And that is far too weak. People with disabilities, frankly, deserve better. We're going to have to go and battle and battle and battle to get them to use these powers. And if the government is not motivated now with all this attention on the legislation to impose strong duties on itself, what are we in for later when, right. when the bills pass, when public attention turns to other issues, when another government or another minister or whatever are in place who haven't been involved in this? That's what we're worried about. So that's, right. that's number one. And, and not only doesn't it include duties, as I said, one tiny exception that doesn't really make a lot of difference. We needed to both impose duties and timelines. Mm-hmm. It's got to tell the government when major actions need to be taken. Otherwise, uh, we could be left dangling for years. So that's problem number one. Problem number two. The bill does not set a deadline when Canada is to become accessible. It says it aims to ensure that Canada uh, becomes barrier-free, but doesn't say by when, which means practically it could mean never. It could mean 500 years from now. And we need a deadline. The Ontario legislation that I had the privilege of leading the campaign to get passed in 2005 It set a deadline. It gave 20 years. Now, we've got problems in Ontario because the provincial government did a poor job of implementing it, especially in recent years. And therefore, we're we're behind schedule. But we need that deadline. If you think about it this way, think of university students uh, or high school students. If it's on the exam, they study it. It's not on the exam. They don't study it. If your paper is due by Friday... You get it done by Friday. If there's no deadline, (laughs) you don't get it done. That's just the way we are. Well, it's the same with this kind of law. Got to be mandatory. There got to be deadlines. And there needs to be an end date. So that's problem number two. Problem number three. Everybody talks about the need for effective enforcement and effective implementation. This bill splinters the implementation and enforcement uh, of it over fully up to four different federal agencies. If you want enforcement in relation to air travel, you have to go to the Canada Transportation Agency. If you want to complain that that uh, your PVR isn't accessible or or the the website of your TV channel isn't accessible or or whatever, you got to go to CRTC. You want to complain about barriers in the federal public service, you got to go to a federal employment tribunal. You want to complain about banking or other federal services, you're going to go to a new accessibility commissioner. And we say this splintering is unnecessarily complicated. It's going to send people with disabilities running in circles from pillar to post trying to figure out where do I go and once they get there once they find the right agency they're going to have different rules different procedures different forms potentially at each of these four places well that just is a formula to make it more expensive harder to navigate slower less effective what we've said to the federal government is We want one-stop shopping. We want one agency to make all the accessibility rules. That's federal cabinet. We want one agency to do all the enforcing. That's the new accessibility commissioner. Unsplinter the bill. Make it easier to use. Mm -hmm. And uh, this problem is bad enough. But it's even worse because two of the most important places we're going to have to go are places that have a lousy track record. The Canadian Transportation Agency has a lousy track record in this area. They've had power to take action in this area for decades. And they've been really inadequate. The CRTC has had power in this area for years. Similarly, they've been inadequate. So if you go to the very places that have not been good at handling this in the past, 
what can you expect in the future? Right. They're going to suddenly get religion now? <laughs> I don't think so. At least I'm not confident of it. I'm worried. Um, fourth problem. The federal government has a way that it could really effectively promote accessibility at little cost and at potentially high impact. And this bill largely doesn't use it. The federal government does one thing, and it does it a lot. It spends money. It spends money buying goods and services from the government called procurement. It spends money on infrastructure, new buildings, public transit, not just federal projects. The federal government gives money to municipalities, to provinces, to local hospitals, to colleges and universities, to build new infrastructure. The federal government gives business development loans and grants to parts of the private sector. What the federal government doesn't do is ensure, require, that there are accessibility strings attached to that money. Hmm. Not that they have to spend all the money on accessibility, but strings that basically say, you want federal money? You may not use our money to create new barriers or perpetuate old ones. That's what we need the government to do. This bill doesn't require it. Hmm. In fact, all this bill says about it is that the federal government may make standards in the area of procurement. Not they must, they may. Nothing about federally funded infrastructure, nothing about federally funded business loans and grants. We say no public money should ever be used to create or perpetuate disability barriers. That's problem number four. That's enough, but I got one more. <laughs> problem number five, even though the bill's provisions, mandatory requirements are weak and minimal, the bill's exceptions are sweeping and too wide. For example, the federal government doesn't have to impose any obligations on itself, but if it does, the federal government can turn around and give itself exemptions from a range of its obligations under the bill. Why should the government be able ever to exempt mm -hmm. itself? Doesn't make any sense. But the bill, it, it's written, this bill is written in a way, it's like, let's be sure we don't have to do anything. But if we have to do anything, let's be sure we can get out of it if we can by right. exempting ourselves from at least parts of it. That's the core of what's wrong. There's a number of other things wrong with it that we and other groups have raised, but I offer those as like the, the kind of the, the major starting point of a discussion on this. Mm -hmm. Does it not also say that uh, the government can exempt other entities from from their responsibilities? Yeah, there under are powers well? where, like, the CTA can grant exemptions to transit organizations from some parts of it, and the CRTC can give exemptions to telecom, telecom companies uh, and carriers for certain parts of it. Same thing, but and, – and these are all a matter of concern, but, at, like, at the first impulse, the first thing that just strikes you is – uh, strikes me as ridiculous. It's the government exempting itself. You guys in Ontario, you've you've literally lived through this, um, which is why you you have a, a I think in a very important perspective on this, because you know you can look at, at at this and and see you know see it mirrored in the uh, the AODA. Absolutely. So in Ontario, we have a law called the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act, or AODA. It's been on the books since 2005. I had the privilege of leading the coalition that campaigned for a decade to get it passed. And I now lead the coalition, the AODA Alliance, that, uh, that campaigns to get it effectively implemented. So we have real-life, frontline experience, and we get feedback from people with disabilities all the time on what this is all meant for us and how it's working. So here's the thing. There's been some progress, but the AODA, which is frankly stronger than the federal bill in a number of key areas, uh, the AODA has not 
made the kind of progress we need. In an independent review, which the government appointed, conducted by David Onley, our former lieutenant governor, that independent review reported last month that progress under the bill has been glacial. That's the word of David Onley. That people with disabilities still face significant barriers in their daily lives and that the government has not done an effective job of implementing and enforcing it. And his findings and his recommendations are largely reflections of the submissions that we we made. If people want to learn more about this, by the way, let me just make a bit of a plug here. Here's, here's three ways you can find out. You can find out more by going to our website, which is www.aodaalliance.org. If you want to just know about the Federal Act, we've got a whole webpage designed to, to show you about that. It's aodaalliance.org slash Canada. You can see the whole history, what we've done, what the government's done, what we've said, what the government said, all that stuff. A second way you can find out is by signing up to get our email updates because that's how we keep people posted. Just send an email to the following email address, aodafeedback at gmail.com, aodafeedback at gmail.com. And all you have to say is sign me up. The third thing you can do, and one that I really encourage, follow us on Twitter. We're really active, active at tweeting about accessibility in Ontario, across Canada, and around the world. We're trying to be like a news source on accessibility action. Good news, bad news. Uh, everything. Our Twitter handle, are you ready? It's at AODA Alliance. Now, I'll tell you, between our Twitter feed, AO, at AODA Alliance, and my personal one, which is at David Lepofsky, you only really need to follow one, we've got over 9,500 people following us. Uh, and that number just keeps growing. And we get a lot of retweets because people see us as, a, uh, as an informative source of information. Um, if people want to know what they can do, and I, I, I want to mention this now, and I'll, I can, I'd love to mention it again at the end of the podcast. There is a way you can help. Often people feel, what can I do? I don't have time. I don't know all this technical, legal stuff, and so on. All you got to do is write an email. Just a couple of sentences. Write the Senate. They have a committee that's now going to be holding hearings on the bill. They need to hear from you. I'm going to give the email address in a second, but if you go to our website, aodaalliance.org slash Canada, you'll see our brief that we just submitted. It's a six-page brief. It basically says what I just said for the first part of this podcast. And we ask for amendments to fix those problems. All you got to do is write the Senate and just say hi, tell them who you are, and if you agree with us, just say I support the amendments that the AODA Alliance is seeking. Use your own words. Don't just use that sentence. It's best <laughs> if you speak in your own words, so it's authentic. Um, the email address, I'll give it to you. It's, it's, I'm going to say it twice. It's a bit long. It's S-O-C-I at S-E-N dot P-A-R-L dot G-C dot C-A. Here we go again. It's S-O-C-I at sen dot p-a-r-l dot g-c dot c-a the more people they hear from organizations and individuals who just say people with disabilities deserve better we support the aoda alliance brief that would really help our cause well and i think it's important that you know people review what you what you're talking about review the you know the, the amendments that are, are being proposed you know we've we've seen uh, interviews done on ami with the government side and you know i don't know how many individuals across canada are aware of you know the bill being enacted and how quickly this could be happening so you know the sooner people jump on this and become aware um, the better off we all are now, one of the things that's floating around out there, and it's important for your listeners to know about this, is there, there's a concern been expressed about this. Like, 
The bill is now before the Senate. If the Senate makes changes, it's got to go back to the House of Commons. What if all this doesn't wrap up before the election? Mm -hmm. This is an election this fall. Well, we're ready for that. That should not scare us off. We should never settle for a weak, limited bill rather than the bill we need simply because of that kind of timing. So what are we doing? we got a two-part strategy. The first is we're asking the Senate to amend the bill and get it back to the House of Commons so they can vote on it before uh, before the election. And I should tell you, we're totally nonpartisan. We don't support or campaign for any party, but the, the conservatives, the New Democrats, and the Green Party have voiced support for con- the kinds of concerns that we're raising when they were debating this in the House of Commons. So we're going to ask them to do so again this bill comes back to the House of Commons. And the second thing is uh, the, the, the Trudeau government has not been ready to move on these issues. We've asked them to. We've discussed it at length. They have not been ready to. But if this bill comes back to the House of Commons in June, right before a federal election, the immediacy of an election may make them give this thing a second thought, and we're hoping they will. But the, that's part one of the strategy. Part two, if the bill doesn't get finished in time or if it gets passed by the Senate but without the amendments we want, we're going to go into the fall election, and we're very public about this. We're going to be soon writing the federal parties and saying, hey, we'd like you to promise now that you'll bring this bill back before Parliament after the election. If it's not passed at all, you'll bring it back so we can finish the work. If it's passed before the election, but it's not fixed, it's not strengthened, it's left in its weak and ineffective state, we're going to want it brought back to be strengthened. So we're going to be trying to cover either eventuality uh, in our strategy. And we will be, if you follow us on Twitter, we'll be tweeting. You, It's always helpful if you retweet our tweets, especially when we aim them at politicians to try to get them to support us. I'll tell you that my experience, I've been, I've been doing this advocacy as a volunteer since like 1994, if not earlier. And what I've learned is two things. One, never give up, because when you give up, that's when you're sure you don't get any more. And uh, I don't let things like uh, worry like, oh, my gosh, there's going to be an election. What if the bill doesn't pass? If the bill doesn't pass, we'll try to get it back. All parties voted for this bill in the House of Commons. It's... Uh, we've got a strong case to say, all right, you put in all this work, it didn't get done. Let's go back and finish the job after the election. I, I don't get, uh, I don't get, I, I don't chicken out in the face of that kind of uh, pressure. Our coalition doesn't, and we don't think people with disabilities should. And the other thing that we've learned is that we're used to facing the odds, and the odds are usually against us. When we started fighting for the Disabilities Act in Ontario, in in uh, November of 1994, you want to know the meaning of an uphill battle. Most people with disabilities never even heard the idea of an Accessibility Act. Uh, the political parties weren't, uh, at that point, showing any huge interest in it. The media didn't know anything about it. We were basically starting from scratch. And we campaigned, and we did not give up, and we were tenacious, and we ended up winning legislation. And while the Ontario law is not anywhere what it should be and hasn't had the kind of effect it should have had, we're definitely further ahead than if we didn't have it. And that effort has catapulted this onto the national agenda. So uh, my experience is never give up. Don't settle. Don't let people uh, get you all worried and then figure you got to settle for stuff that's something that's incredibly weak. Um, don't take charity. Insist on rights. So that's that's the approach we're taking. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, what the way that people need to look at this is that, you know, having weak, ineffectual um, legislation is is almost worse than having no legislation. The, the risk is that if they do a bad job and they don't do it right, it leads people in authority to think, hey, we've taken care of this. Everything's fine. And, and yet it's not. And then things can carry on in the wrong direction with people wrongly complacent that they've taken care of things. Right. Uh, but my experience is I, I, I don't even want to have a debate about uh, no bill is better than a pathetically weak bill. 
uh, because all I want to do is focus our energy on let's get a strong bill. And I know that the way to get a strong bill is to go to the Senate and ask for better and then go back to the House and ask for better and in fall go to the electorate and ask for better. If you don't do all those things, you sit back and just say, well, it may be weak, but let's just take it because, you know, what the heck. That, that, that's the way to best ensure that we won't get anything better. Okay. And we've got lots of experience to show that. And what I've been impressed with over my career about of doing this kind of advocacy is I've seen over the years since I was a law student 40 years ago as a young blind individual uh, and working with others to get into the Ontario Human Rights Code, I've seen the, ex the, the significant growth of an attitude toward uh, among people with disabilities of we don't want charity, we want disability rights. Um, I'm impressed when I teach, I, I now uh, teach part-time at the Osgood Hall Law School. I'm encouraged and delighted at how many students come to law school because they want to do, they want to be disability rights lawyers. Well, uh, we got people who want their rights honored. We got people who want to devote their careers to making sure our rights are honored. We got to get a good law in the books that will help make those rights be honored. Now, now, how big of a problem do you see um, education about accessibility being? Okay, this is a big thing, and this is an important thing. I think we have to take a more creative and nuanced approach to this uh, than has been taken in the past. And I, uh, I, I'm not faulting anyone, and if anything, the concerns I'm about to express are ones that you could point to my own conduct in the past uh, equally. Uh, the old way we used to talk about this was um, our biggest problem is the attitudes of other people or they don't know better. So let's devote a ton of energy to raising awareness. And there are, you know, all these efforts at raising awareness. Um, and I, I've said that too over the years. Fact is, I don't say it anymore because you see, I don't want to raise awareness. I want to raise action. Let me put it another way. I don't care whether a bank or a cable company or an airline removes barriers and prevents new ones because someone raised their awareness or because someone sued them or because somebody threatened to sue them or because they just want a bigger market. I just want them to remove the barrier. And for some people, they will act for good reasons. For some people, they will not act for they will act for perhaps more defensive uh, reasons. But either which way, we just want to change their, their practices. The awareness will come from their removing barriers. Hmm. We've got decades of experience to show that raising awareness is a relatively ineffective way to change the business practices and the government practices out there. If raising awareness worked as a total solution or as a major solution, we wouldn't need this legislation. Right. But think of how many people have devoted years, how many organizations, years uh, and tons of effort to raising awareness. So then the question becomes, so you see this kind of a nuanced, different approach. Well, does that mean we don't educate people about accessibility? No, 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 no. But what I find is the most effective educator is a mandatory law with clear requirements and expected enforcement, okay? If, if you want to run an education session that gets people attending and listening, taking notes and going home and doing what they're, what, what they're educated on, you do it in the context of a mandatory, strong, effectively enforced law. Back to what I said before, you want people to take it seriously in your classroom, you make sure students know what's going to be on the exam, right? This is the same thing. So um, I, I think that there are people out there who want to do the right thing and don't know what to do. So we have to provide them with the proper resources right. on what to do. Now, but, that, was a, that was a big uh, problem that, that the AODA faced uh, early on, right? Was that they, you know, they, they passed this, but then nobody really knew what, what it meant and, and what to do 
and the government didn't seem to really be very forthcoming in telling them. Well, exactly. When, when it comes to designing, I believe that a well-written, well-designed accessibility standard regulation is its own teacher. If you don't know what an accessible electronic kiosk needs to include, if you open the standard and it says, okay, here's what it's got to include, then you will know what to do. Right. If you don't know um, what a playground, I'm going to give you a provincial example, a playground should include when you redo a playground to ensure that it's accessible, you should be able to open the standard, read it, and it tells you, here's what you need to do. Because then obligated organizations will say, okay, thank you. Now I know what the heck to do. Right. And they don't have to hire consultants. What Ontario did, if I can give you, I'm going to give you two examples that are, 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 are illustrative of the problem we've had in Ontario. Ontario passed a regulation saying that when, when, when an organization is doing a new playground, they should consider accessibility or something like that, or include accessibility features. I can't remember the exact wording. And they should consult people with disabilities. We said to the government, why don't you just put the requirements in the regulation? Why should everybody designing a playground, every school, every community group, every municipality, have to go out and re-ask the same questions of people with disabilities, one community after the next across Ontario? What a waste. What you should do is have that conversation once, figure out what's needed, put it in the regulation, and then people who need to obey the regulation, they don't have to go do all this consulting. They open the regulation, they read what they got to do, and then they either do it or it's pretty easy to enforce. It'll be like a parking ticket. If you didn't do it, it'll be clear. Second example, in an Ontario regulation, they tried to do something helpful. They said when a building is going to have a new building or a new renovation, is going to have a public service counter, there should be one counter at accessible height. But they don't say what the height is. <laughs> and, and we said to the government at the time, put in a measurement. <laughs> Otherwise, each organization's got to go hire someone to tell them what the height is, and then they got to worry about, did I do the right thing? Like, what a waste. If you just put it in once, put in a measurement, then people will take out their tape measure, they'll know what they're supposed to do. And if we want to in enforce... Enforcement, again, will be like a parking ticket. You go into the counter, it's too high, you measure it, say it's supposed to be this number of centimeters, it's higher than that, here's the enforcement order. Do you follow me? So, I mean, there's yeah, a whole yeah, lot of common yeah. sense to the way we approach this thing. Um, and the federal bill, if they added into it the features that we're talking about in this podcast and the other things in our open letter, um, it could make a real difference. It could live up to the great uh, rhetoric the government has said about it. But without it, we got to just sort of sit back and hope. It's like hoping for charity. Maybe you get it. Maybe you don't. So now to, to step it back a little bit and, and talk a little bit about the AODA <clears throat> again for a minute. Looking back at the last 14 years, where do you, where do you see what went wrong? Like, why, why is Ontario so behind schedule? And, and how do you see avoiding that with, with uh, the Accessible Canada Act? Well, there's several things that went wrong. Um, it's an excellent question. We have a detailed brief that we submitted to David Onley that tells the answer to your question. And it's about 450 pages long. I'm going to give you the extremely short summary. It's up on our website if people want to see it. Um, first, they did not prescribe standards in a number of areas where we need them. So here we are 14 years after the law was passed, six years less than six years before the deadline. We don't have an education accessibility standard. We don't have a healthcare accessibility standard. They're, they're being developed now. It's years too late. We do not have an effective built environment standard to address all the barriers in the built environment. We have a grossly inadequate building code. So the first thing is they didn't make rules in areas where we need them. The second problem is where they did make rules, the areas where they have made accessibility standards, they've been too weak, too vague, 
and two, uh, problematic. The two examples I gave you already, the, the counter heights thing and the playgrounds thing. The third problem is they did not have effective enforcement. The enforcement's been weak. And my coalition has been busy with freedom of information requests. You can go to our website, aodaalliance.org slash enforcement. You can see all of what's gone on where we've tried to shine the light on this. As volunteer effort, there's a lot of work to do, and we've been doing it. We're proud of our efforts. Um, the, um, and part of that problem, this bill, the federal bill tries to fix. Uh, and part of the problem in Ontario is that the enforcement has been part of the provincial bureaucracy. And we said there should be an independent enforcement agency. Now, the federal government listened to us in part, but they splintered it among these four enforcement agencies. So in, in one way, they made it helpful, or they aimed to be helpful, but in another way, uh, they, they then undermined some of the effectiveness of what they did. The, the next problem in Ontario is obligated organizations need effective guidance on what to do. Mm-hmm. And the David Onley report is just one of a series of independent reviews that have echoed the concern that the government did not provide effective resources. Some of what they provided is good. I'm not saying everything they did was wrong. But there's been a lot of concerns express, expressed from the business community and others that if you want to do the right thing and you call up for direction, Often you can't get clear direction. Um, and the final problem with what the province did uh, is that they uh, they didn't use all the levers of power they had. They could have the province also could have made sure uh, that they never used public money to create new barriers. And instead, they made promises to us to that effect. The federal government hasn't even made promises, but. The provincial government made promises just didn't keep them, uh, and that's a problem. If you go to YouTube and you search on AODA Alliance, you'll see we have a channel. And one of the things that we've done is we've released three successive online videos where we've gone into existing buildings. Accessibility isn't just about buildings. But we've gone into three existing environments, brand new, and revealed major accessibility problems. I'm the commentator. I'm the one narrating, and I do – I try to describe it in a way that will enable visually impaired people like me to know what's in the video. But uh, they've been seen thousands of times and covered in the media. It's actually quite cool. Um, And underlying all of what I just said, the real problem, I believe, provincially, and it's reinforced by three independent reviews, is the government celebrated the AODA when they passed it. But then they kind of just went on to the next file and went back to business as usual. And the government didn't, the premier in Ontario did not show the kind of leadership we need on the file. Um, And successive independent reviews have called for that leadership. And David Onley said it was not delivered. And that's that David Onley is the guy the government picked to review the government's action. And that was his judgment, which we echo and agree and uh, we proposed the same position to him as he ultimately expressed in his report. You, you know, and what's amazing is that the FEDROC doesn't even have the deadline. And, and you see, well, here's where the deadline makes a difference. So if you look at the AODA, it says uh, 2025. Now, even though there are, we're missing standards that we need that would get us there, the fact is I follow action through the Internet and otherwise, and my coalition does. And there are a number of organizations that have said, you know, we have to be accessible by 2025, so here's what we're doing. And they're doing things that the bill doesn't even, that the regulations don't even require yet. But they're going ahead because the deadline is motivating them to act. Hmm. And that's great. That's great. Again, we're not saying the AOD has done nothing. It's just mm-hmm. it's done not enough. Uh, but the federal law, by not having a deadline, if Air Canada knew they had, I don't know, 20 years to become fully accessible, the clock would start ticking the day the law goes into effect. And if Air Canada just knows the law says, oh, we want to ensure barrier-free Canada whenever, they're not going to snap to the same way that they might. And the same with a, a federal public service, Bell Canada, anybody that's going to be under this regulation. 
Yeah, never. It it really surprises me that people aren't aren't really looking at at the AODA as as a template to what can go wrong. Well, in fairness to the federal government, and we're not just there to say everything that they do is bad and all that sort of stuff. We're not partisans. Um, they looked part of the way. So one of the things that we said was wrong in Ontario is that the the government itself is the one that decides whether to develop a standard in the area of education. And you got to lobby for years. It took us like over five years to get the government to finally, the previous government to finally agree that, yeah, we'll get, we'll do that. Just to get them started. I don't mean to write the regulation. I mean, just to say, we're going to do a regulation in that area. Under the bill, we said you need to get the idea of the, the core work of standards development out of the hands of the public service in an independent agency. So good news. The federal government is, under the bill, is creating a new body to be called the Canadian Accessibility Standards Development Organization, CASDO. Right. And they can make recommendations to government. And that, that's good. We've said that's good. Um, and it, in some ways, comes from ideas we recommended. The problem is they forgot the other part. They forgot. They deliberately left out the other part. Once the federal, once CASDO makes a recommendation, the federal government never has to even act on it or think about it. <laughs> they can get it. They can look at it. They can say, we're going to spend the next 20 years thinking about it. They can enact nothing. We're not saying they have to be bound by what CASDO recommends and they shouldn't be able to, you know, as our elected politicians, make the final decisions. But they should have to at least uh, respond and take some sort of action. The federal law does not require a single access standard to ever be enacted in a regulation ever. And that's... And the, and, for, and, and accessibility standards are the core of the federal bill. And that's an important point to make because, you know, as I referenced before, listening to some of the media reports, you hear that, you know, fines can be levied up to $250,000 if people aren't in compliance. Well, there's no requirement to be compliant. So where are these fines going to come from? Well, exactly. And, um, and so I, I just want to repeat because I know our time is, is wrapping up. Our listeners can do something about it, and it takes five minutes. Sit down at your computer, you compose an email, and just tell the Senate, we need you to strengthen Bill C-81. Uh, and if you're inclined to do so, we'd love it if you said that you support the brief from the AODA Alliance. Use, I mean, you can go read our brief. Of course, you should read it before you decide if you support it. Uh, if you like some of it but not others, tell them what parts you like or don't like. This is democracy. But even if you don't have time to go through tons of detail, just anything you say to get the message across, that it's not just a matter of saying, here it is, just please just take it and uh, pass it without even uh, contemplating, uh, without strengthening it. You know, just rubber stamp and that's it. Uh, we need that. And the email address to write uh, if you uh, whether you agree with us or disagree with us, the, the email address to write is s o c i at s e n dot p a r l dot g c dot c a. I'll say that again: s o c i at s e n dot p a r l dot g c dot c a. Perfect. Well, David, listen, we want to thank you so much for taking some time out and talking to us. Um, you know, it's a really important issue. Um, you know, again, we'll, we'll have all that information in our show notes as well. Um, and we encourage, well, you know, thanks anybody so much for including us. Thanks for covering this topic. Happy to discuss it anytime. And, and follow us on Twitter at AODA Alliance and click retweet because every retweet, especially our tweets aimed at politicians, every retweet helps strengthen our cause. Keep up the good work. Let's just keep our fingers crossed and, and hope. Uh, and we'll, we'll sick our 10 to 20 viewers on, or listeners onto, uh, onto this issue. <laughs> they're they're going to be we, all over uh, it. We, we never give up. Take Perfect. care. Thanks. All right. Thanks, thanks, David. David. All right, people. You hear that? Get on that email. <laughs> and when you've done it, when you've gone and you've emailed the Senate, I want you to send us a, 
send us a uh, just a little email to cowbell at atbanter.com and let us know that you uh, threw your name into the ring and you're uh, supporting being, supporting an actual effective accessible Canada Act. Right. And while you're clicking stuff, like us on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any likes on iTunes? I don't know. Yeah. Does anybody use check. iTunes anymore? Mm. Anyways, <laughs> we're not going there. Problem. We'll get a call. Get us talking about Apple. <laughs> no, man, it's ah, oh, it's it's so fascinating um, and aggravating too at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're so close. I mean, we are so behind. Mm-hmm. Um, like even, uh, and we didn't even talk about this, but I would have loved to pick his brain on even just the scope of, of the Accessible Canada Act, because really all we're talking about here is federal, uh, federal, federal regulated entities. Yeah. We're not even talking sweeping accessibility changes. We're only talking anything that's, that's funded federally. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's funny, you know, uh, a month ago, I was going, hey, you know, we're going to have an Accessible Canada Act. And I was all excited about that. <laughs> now, you know, I've heard, I've heard David here today talking, and I heard David McDonald talking about it down at, uh, down at the CSUN conference. Mm. And now I'm like, oh, whoopee. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it's gutless. It's, yeah. it's, it's literally a gutless piece of legislation. Somebody wrote online that it's, it was really just a PR piece written in legalese. Um, which I don't know, it might, might be a little harsh, but, uh, do we give them some credit for, you know, bringing this? I think we give them credit for recognizing we need something. Okay. But it's a like start. David's, it's, it, well, it's a start, but let's like David said, let's get it, let's get it strengthened before it actually goes in and passes, you know, let's get the bill we want. You know, and that's why I, I, you know, I know we talked a lot about the AODA, um, during the conversation, but I, I really think it is important. You know, it's important to look at at that whole experience because the same thing is going to, it's government, you know, government's going to, governments act like government and expecting them to act any differently with a different set of, of legislation is just, is just silly. I mean, so, so the, the same way that the, the Ontario government failed, you know, the, the federal government could very well fail in very similar ways. And, and, and when I say fail, I don't necessarily mean fail. It's not really the right word, but they, get caught in these bureaucratic black holes or they or things are slow to happen and we have to expect that that it's going to happen with this act as well Um, and that's why it's so important like david was saying to have it have teeth to have it well thought out you know why rush out um legislation that's that's really going to be ineffectual and get us caught in a you know a, a a loop of never ending oh yeah you know we're 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 getting there we're going to have an accessible canada someday folks yeah it really makes you wonder if if there really is the political will to give rights to people with disabilities that are enforceable mm-hmm. um because right now this this smacks of just li- lip service yep. you know mm-hmm. this yeah. is you know the liberals said yeah we're going to we're going to pass an act and they did but it doesn't mean anything it's 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 got no no strength to it. So it's so. like it's like the fulfillment of a campaign promise, and that's really it. But and and it's really not even that hmm. because it doesn't do what that campaign promise was meant to do. Right, right. So. What do you think, Ryan? Well, we need to follow them on Twitter and <laughs> spread the word because yeah. this like Retweet. this this if it if it doesn't go back to the house, this could be enacted by May or June. Yeah. That's like six to eight weeks away. So we need to get our voices heard as quickly as possible. I don't know, like honestly, like speaking honestly, like do you really think that at this point, if they're that close to to passing this, do you do you think really? I think being that it's a, an election year, the government would love to you know be able to say, look what we did this year. I, I agree. Look, I, look, I look what we accomplished during our term. Yeah, I think it would be a you real know? hard sell for them to s- send this back to the House. Of Congress. Uh, that's why we need to get our voices heard. Yeah. So. Hmm. Like us on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anything to add? Add to that, or shall we? Nope. I think you know. Maybe we'll look at getting him back on again in June, and just kind of see where things are at. Uh, hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? My basement. 
Where else? British Columbia. Where else? Canada. That's true. <laughs> Where else? Don't say Earth. Guitar Dungeon. <laughs> I hate you. I know you do, Dick. <laughs> Where else? ATBanter.com. Excellent. They can also drop us an email if they so desire. Cowbell at ATBanter.com. Ooh, we're getting good at that. And they can find us on Facebook. And Twitter. And Instagram. Uh, all right. Well, that is going to about do it for us this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. And uh, we'll see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take. <laughs>